This is Brian Dascom with the AWC City Voice podcast, where we explore the issues that impact Washington cities. The Association of Washington Cities is a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization that represents all 281 cities and towns before the state legislature, the state executive branch, and with regulatory agencies. Today we have Carl Schrader, one of our government relations advocates, as well as Candace Bach, our government relations director. Welcome to you both. Thanks. Thanks, Brian. So uh, I, I want to say from the outset, thank you both for being here. Despite your, your illnesses, you both look like you're on the brink of death. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Thanks for that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for your your husky voices. We we appreciate them uh, and all the knowledge that comes with them. So so one of the issues that you're both working on this legislative session is infrastructure for cities. So I know that cities need need water lines and other types of infrastructure just to to remain operational and to be modern modern cities. So uh, one of the questions I have is, what does a city do if they need major repairs or if they need to construct new pieces of infrastructure to keep their city working? How does that work? So obviously cities are um, always looking for opportunities to figure out how to better fund these systems. They're very expensive. Um, The cost of maintaining them is expensive. Certainly the cost of modernizing them and keeping up with current um, environment, um, environmental regulations uh, drives a lot of those costs as well. Uh, Cities don't have necessarily a lot of ways to get funding for these projects, especially ways that can keep them affordable for their ratepayers, our taxpayers, our residents. And so everyone's really price sensitive to how much is their water bill, how much is their sewer bill. Um, So we really rely on a few key um, programs out there to help keep those costs low. One of the um, historically successful programs in this area is the Public Works Trust Fund. And it's been around for 30 plus years, providing this kind of key low interest loans to help fund critical infrastructure. Um, Again, water systems, sewer systems, but also transportation projects, um, bridges as part of their portfolio as well. So it's a key resource for us. So this, uh, the Public Works Trust Fund, that's a source that cities can look to to help them fund infrastructure. And, And how is the Public Works Trust Fund itself funded? Where does that money come from? So it's interesting, you know, in the 1980s, I think it was like 1985 that the program was created, there was an environment where um, the state felt, at the urging of local governments and business and others, that we needed to have a real stable um, source for communities to turn to, to to invest in these sorts of basic infrastructure systems. So there was, you know, what people call a kind of a grand bargain where uh, local governments agreed to tax our utilities, the uh, business community agreed to tax real estate sales, and then we also added a solid waste tax. Those three tax sources have historically funded the Public Works Trust Fund, as well as, as, as Candace mentioned, what they um, mostly their book of business is low interest loans. And so as those loan repayments come in, they have uh, historically fed the next set of investments that we would make in other communities. Uh, The challenge we've had with this account is when the state ran into its budget difficulties in the middle of this decade, they looked at all those resources and said, you know, we've got some higher priority um, uses for that money, and they really have drastically reduced the capacity in that program. I think, you know, we added it up at one point to over a billion dollars of infrastructure um, financing that had been diverted off to other uses, uh, and that's one of the issues that we've been working on for years to try to um, claw back, and we've got some efforts on that front this year as well. So with over a billion dollars withheld from the Public Works Trust Fund, 
Um, I would expect that there's been some deferred maintenance that uh, that has happened over those years. Is that is that right? That's true. Without that source of funding, cities have had to look elsewhere. Um, some of those sources are more expensive. If they go out to the market, certainly market rate loans are more expensive, or they just haven't done the project. Um, so when you don't do the projects or you scale back because funding is more expensive, obviously you end up with some deferred maintenance. And I think that's reflected in, um, you know, recent Recently, the American Society for Civil Engineers put out their infrastructure report card for Washington State, and wastewater and um, drinking water in our state got a C minus grade from from that group. So I think that's reflecting that deferred maintenance that's been occurring. So another factor in having the Public Works Trust Fund really significantly eroded is it was one of the only programs where cities could go to get financing for capacity improvements, so growth-related uh, infrastructure investments. A lot of the programs that remained were only focused on around emergencies and things like that. So cities that wanted to be uh, proactive and thoughtful and, and get ahead of the curve really lost the tool to do that. And we're under tremendous growth pressure as a state. As of course, I think everybody listening knows we've got you know another 800 and something thousand people coming in the next seven seven years. So the the you know lack of ability to plan and, and invest in that growth is really a problem. So uh, it seems pretty straightforward that um, that it makes sense for cities for this public works trust fund to be uh, to be funded moving forward. So what kind of reaction has it gotten so far in the in the list in the uh, legislative session? You know, it's interesting. Everybody loves the public works trust fund. It's been very successful. Um, when we talk to legislators, they're all very supportive. They recognize that there are infrastructure needs, um, and they agree it should be funded. Unfortunately, they keep taking money out of it. So while they do agree in principle, um, the reality is when it comes to balancing their state budget, um, they continue to struggle. And so they continue to look for sources of revenue that they can pull from. And the Public Works Trust Fund continues to be an attractive target. So no no shortage of support, but um, when it kind of rubber meets the road, uh, they make different decisions. So, for instance, we saw the um, governor's budget proposal this year taking even more money out of the Public Works uh, Trust Fund, uh, those loan repayments that had been maintained in the account, not the tax revenues that had been diverted. Even that level was reduced in the governor's proposal, uh, which is one of our priorities is to get that back and, and you know try to convince the state that maintaining these investments is critical. They've got this resource now. All they have to do is choose not to divert it to something different. So infrastructure is certainly a critical issue on its own, but it's also one that interacts with other issues, including some of our other legislative priorities. So how does the Public Works Trust Fund interact with uh, our other legislative priorities for the year? You know, infrastructure is so um, key to so many of the things that cities do, and so it does interact with those other priorities, um, including housing, for instance. Uh, affordable housing is one of our 2019 legislative priorities. And so we've got a proposal where we're asking the legislature to end the diversion of REIT dollars uh, away from the Public Works Trust Fund, bring those dollars back into the fund for infrastructure related to housing development. We've heard from cities around the state that they need more housing stock at kind of all levels. They need market rate housing, they need workforce housing, affordable housing, uh, supported housing. And so we're asking that the legislature end that diversion and bring those dollars back in and dedicate them for infrastructure related to housing development. Okay, okay, gotcha. And when you mentioned the REIT funds, that's the real estate excise tax? Right? That's, that's right. Great. 
And interestingly enough, we did a survey over the summer um, of our cities and their challenges with housing and you know what they needed and what they were using as far as state tools and that sort of thing. And uh, the number one thing that cities said that they needed to meet their goals to help provide affordable housing across those income spectrums that, that Candace mentioned was infrastructure. So, um, you know, housing is a critical priority, but in order to meet those needs and goals, we need the infrastructure as well. Gotcha. So the, the other area that um, you're alluding to in terms of how our 2019 priorities overlap with infrastructure is in the area of culverts um, and fish barrier removal. And that's something Carl's been working a lot on, and we've got a, a proposal related to the Public Works Trust Fund for that as well. Yeah, historically, the trust fund has been able to fund culverts, so this isn't a new uh, use necessarily. But uh, we're very engaged and involved in the conversation around how does the state respond to their uh, U.S. Supreme Court injunction to address uh, their fish blocking culverts. Essentially, the problem is is that those culverts are stopping uh, endangered fish from getting up and down the streams and being able to um, spawn and, and create new fish, and that has impaired the tribe's treaty rights in the state. And the U.S. Supreme Court has told the state of Washington they have until 2030 to fix um, the vast majority of these culverts, and that's estimated right now to cost over $3.5 billion for the state. They have not identified how they're going to pay for it. They uh, are going to need to raise revenue more than likely to do that. The problem is we also own much of the same infrastructure, right, upstream or downstream of these state barriers. So, for instance, the state spent almost $9 million to fix a barrier under I-5 in Skagit County that 50 feet upstream was a county barrier. And so our point to the legislature is, it doesn't make sense to spend that much money and not solve the problem. So you need to come in and involve local governments. We don't have the resources to do this anyway uh, on our own without assistance. And at the end of the day, the residents of the state of Washington are going to pay for both the state culverts and any local culverts that are corrected. So let's have a comprehensive and strategic approach to that. So we've been working on that uh, on the policy side for many years to try to get ready for uh, what is coming to pass now, which is a serious conversation about how the state meets its obligations. And we recognize that we can't just come with our hand out to the state. So our thought is, let's take an infrastructure program that's been successful, that's got revenue, that's got the capacity to do this, and target a portion of those resources to grants uh, for local governments for culverts that would be invested in a strategic way consistent with the sort of principles that I just laid out. So the bill that Candace is referring to would end the diversion of the solid waste tax, which is roughly $100 million a biennium and dedicate that for 10 years to addressing uh, local culverts so that we can uh, coordinate with what the state's doing. Just to tag on to that a little bit, we, we, Carl mentioned grants. Um, the Public Works Trust Fund is historically known for low interest loans. Um, they do some small grants, um, but in this case, uh, we're asking for a grant program because culverts don't have a revenue generating capacity to them. You know, when you're running a water system or a sewer system, you've got revenue coming in and you can pay back a loan. But the key point here is we don't have revenue to do this with in the first place. And so that's why we're focused on a grant program here, which is a little bit different than where we've been in the past. But we think that it fits the kind of projects we're talking about. Yeah, and another sort of bigger picture strategic consideration for our efforts around the trust fund this year is uh, those revenues that are diverted until after the year 2023, that's effectively going to create something in the neighborhood of a $400 million hole in the state's operating budget if those funds come back to the Public Works Trust Fund. So although the law says they're going to do that, the budget reality is that the legislators who are writing the state's budget are going to have to reconcile that problem. 
So we think if we can um, make a strong case for some critical priorities that are shared between cities and the state around housing and culverts and other things like that, we can uh, make a strong case to bring some of those resources back early and hopefully make our problem a little less um, intense in 2023 uh, and sort of plug away at the problem, essentially. Uh, so that's been a, an argument that's been compelling to a number of legislators. We've got support to get these bills introduced and have this conversation. Hopefully we'll uh, make some progress on that. So we're recording this podcast on the last day of January. And so I, I wanted to give that context um, before asking, can you give us some context as to where we are in the process of the legislative session? We're talking about these bills that have been introduced. When will we get some kind of resolution on how they've performed? Well, as Carl mentioned, they've, they've just been introduced. Um, we still have a, a few more weeks before cutoff. So we'll now be requesting public hearings of those bills in the relevant committees. Um, these are bills that will be necessary to implement the budget, which means that sometimes timeframes um, and cutoff rules don't necessarily apply or apply a little bit differently. Um, but we are going to be asking cities around the state to weigh in with their legislators and support these proposals as a way to, um, again, restore the Public Works Trust Fund and meet cities' infrastructure needs. So the time is definitely now for local uh, city officials to be weighing in with their legislators. Yeah, we're sort of in the behind-the-scenes uh, time of session for the budget, I would say, and, and because of the size of the revenue impacts of these proposals, these will definitely be a part of that budget sort of conversation. But to Candace's point, the only way you're successful in changing the decisions that happen in that budget is if we're talking and you as local elected officials are talking to your legislators now. We can't wait until they've released their budget to suggest that they change it to this degree or it would you know, never fly. So, um, yeah, to Candace's point, now is the time to start talking this up. Well, thank you again for uh, taking time out of your busy schedules, even when you're both feeling a little sick, to, uh, to talk to us about these important issues. I appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks Brian. Brian. At AWC, our mission is to serve our members through advocacy, education, and services. This includes the AWC Employee Benefit Trust, AWC Risk Management Service Agency, AWC Workers' Comp Retro Program, AWC Drug and Alcohol Consortium, GIS Consortium, and JobNet. Visit wascities.org to plug in.